Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. We are in a series here at Hope that we're calling In Training. What we're getting at in the series is the discipline of being a Jesus follower. Last week, Rufus spoke to us about discipline in the context of training a child. Remember this? Preventative training, corrective training, reformative training. By the way, if you didn't hear the sermon, you need to go online and check it out. It's fabulous. Here, here's one of the primary scriptures that we are referencing in this series. It's Hebrews 12, beginning verse five. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up and he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that, you're not, that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of the spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Today we're gonna approach discipline and training through this vehicle of athletics. Now if you've never been an athlete or could care less about sports, don't fret, not only and these principles apply to our faith walk and athletics, but they can apply to any endeavor that calls for us to be disciplined in its execution, whether it be learning a musical instrument or training your pet or serving in the military, singing in the choir, whatever it might be. Let me give you a little background. I was a high jumper during my high school and college years. Not a good one, mind you, but that's what I did. When I became a track coach at Fairly High, I got inspired by one of my runners to try my hand at distance running, and I did that for 45 years or so. Again, not great, normally kind of a middle of the pack guy. So what can we learn from athletics that is transferable to our walk of faith? Well, I looked at training like this. I train at the prompting and instruction of the coach. I, I, my coach at Overton High School was Fred Yancey. Did I always love what the coach was putting me through? No. Did it hurt? Yes. Did I throw up? More than once. Well then why, why, why would I do this? Because I had committed to the team, I trusted the coach, and I knew he had an end in mind. But the, the author of Hebrews writes this in, in verse 12 of Hebrews 5. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. 
For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. If we are immature in the faith, we need to be willing to take instruction in the things of God. The writer of Hebrews tells those who would listen that they should be at the point of being teachers themselves, but they're not there yet, and that they need to alter their diet. He says they can only digest spiritual milk, not solid food yet. Now, there are only a few ways to react to that. One, you could disagree and stay on whatever growth path you're on. Two, you could be super embarrassed and just give up entirely. Three, you could say, pass the milk. You could swallow your pride and swallow the milk. God as coach has so much to teach us and he uses different methods. He's given us his word. That's probably the best way, but it's not the only way. He also puts us in front of men and women who know more than we do. Thirdly, he places us in situations or he allows experiences, usually difficult ones, to get us in play and shape. That's what the author of Hebrews was seeing in certain members of the church. They weren't cutting it. And he was challenging them to grow. He had seen something in them that he didn't feel so good about. When I went to Fairley, I really wanted to be a good coach. On, on my first day at Fairley, I must have had 10 guys come up to me and say they were the fastest man in Shelby County. I had, I had 10 Usain Bolts in one school. What a privilege. You know what I told them all? See you at tryouts. I also had this gigantic shot putter come to me who said that he had just moved to Memphis from LA. He said he was planning on heading back to LA when he, to, uh, when he graduated and go to UCLA where he would throw there. You know what I told him? See you at trials. Why'd I say that? Here's why. The stopwatch and the tape do not lie. That, that, and by the way, that's what I love about track and field. Here's track. Y'all line up when I say go, run on over there. First one there wins. Or, or um, here, throw that, simple as that. Jump over that. There, there can't be a bunch of whining about, oh, they wouldn't pass me the ball. Or I had to run uphill. Or those, those referees were out to get me. So in the spring at tryouts, I put a watch on those 10 boys. Let me tell you, they weren't about nothing. <laughs> Usain Bolt, insane Bolt maybe, but not Usain. But, 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 but then I, I, this shot putter is huge. He's bound to be able to do something. So I, I put my tape down. I, I, I pulled it out a long way, four, 45, 50 feet or so. I said, okay, give it a throw. He lets it rip, and here's me. <laughs> UCLA is going to be very disappointed in this boy. I train at the prompting and instruction of the coach. Secondly, I train lest I be ashamed on race day. I train lest I be ashamed on race day. When, when is race day for the Jesus followers? Some would say judgment day. And, and, 
and, and you would choose this passage, 1 Corinthians 3.13, each one's work will become clear for the judgment day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. I, I, that's, that's, that, that's a good answer. But I contend that race day can be any day for the Jesus follower. We need to stand ready to live out our faith every day. Every day. I, I've got firefighter friends and they'll tell you that a huge part of their work day is super boring. They clean and service equipment. They may work out. A couple of them run over to Kroger to buy whatever the station is gonna eat that day. They eat. Now some group is always on duty, but a few of the others may be asleep. That sounds like a nice job, right? A little cleaning, working out, shopping, cooking, eating. Anybody can do that, right? Absolutely. Until that alarm sounds, then you better know what you're doing. You better be trained. I don't want some firefighter running into my burning home and all he or she can do is shop at Kroger. They need to know how to put that fire out. Same with the Jesus follower. Paul says in 2 Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. So I ask you, ready? Are you ready today? Are you ready at any time to reflect upon and act upon any situation in a way that pleases God? You know, when I, when I was coaching, I'd, I'd post workouts in the locker room. It's just, it was just one coach and there's 20 different events. I'd post these workouts in the locker room and I'd expect my athletes to do those, knowing full well that some of my distance runners were cutting corners. Because see, they'd, they, they'd, they'd leave the track to put in four or five miles at a certain pace, a designated pace in the neighborhood. And I just knew from human nature that some of them were horsing around, picking up some chips and a Dr. Pepper at the corner store. I had this one guy who would come back from his four or five mile run smelling like a cigarette. <laughs> now, all that is fine, but on race day, you are exposed. There is no hiding on the backstretch. And it can be shameful for an athlete. On just about any team, there are a few uniform wearers. You know what I mean? All they do is wear the uniform. Same in the faith. Same in the faith. Are you a uniform wearer? Do you talk about faith more than live it? I train lest I be ashamed on race day. Thirdly, I train to help the team. I trained to help the team. When I ran track, I didn't want to let my teammates down. And see, some were much more skilled than me at certain things. I couldn't begin to grab a, a point or two in the shot put. But I guarantee you none of those big rascals could get over the high jump bar that I was jumping. As Jesus followers, we are a team. And I, I'm not asking you to come up on the stage and speak, although I'm sure many of you would do very well. I'm asking you to run your event Whatever your event, train for it and run it. I've always loved this passage in Ecclesiastes 4. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. 
If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Let me say this. There is something sacred about being on a team. To be together day in and day out working for a common goal. Whether it's a basketball team or a church choir, a military platoon, character is built during the victories and the losses. The blood, sweat, and tears of a team means something. So if, I, if I'm interested in a spiritual training plan, where should I begin? Four quick things. First one, have a goal in mind. Have a goal in mind. When I started doing distance running, I had a goal. I wanted to run a marathon. When I did that, I created other goals. Who do you want to be as a Jesus follower? What, what are your goals? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I, I, think, it's, I think it's sometimes as Jesus followers, we get our ticket punched for heaven, and then we make sure we get our fire insurance against hell. And then we cruise. We just cruise. We got all the paperwork and we cruise. What, 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 what happens when, that's what we, when we do that? When we, when we just cruise, we miss the adventure of it. What, what, what might a spiritual training goal look like? All right, it may be as simple as, okay, church happens every weekend. I'm gonna go to worship two out of four weekends a month. That may be huge for you. Here's another goal. I'm gonna read the Gospels. Or I'm gonna read the New Testament. If that's your goal, find a translation you like and go for it. Or, or, or I'm, going, I'm going to men's breakfast on Thursdays. Or I'm joining the mom's group. Maybe your goal needs to be service. I'm gonna sign up to help with our special needs ministry, making friends. Or, or I'm gonna read with the second graders and arise to read which leads to my next encouragement. Train with others. Train with others. Proverbs 17, 17 says, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. When I, when I was really racing, I would train with other people. Why? They pushed me. They encouraged me. And we became a community. We became a community. When we share common goals and values and space, we create communities. Golfers, golfers understand this. Skateboarders understand this. You pickleballers get it. You know, all you jokers are so into pickleball, it's a community, man. Don't lone ranger this thing we call a Christian life. Here's another. Be consistent. Stick with it, friends. Make this relationship thing with Jesus not something you do, but let it be something you are. Let me, let me show you something. I said earlier that I was not a, a great runner. I, I ran against folks way, way better than me. I also know a number of people who have run many more miles than the 26,000 some odd miles I've run. Here's the difference though. I share with you the difference between them and me. I happen to have the paperwork. This is a, 
45 years. I'll clean it up. Don't worry about it. 45 years of being a constant, consistent nerd. I mean, runner. To, to, record, to, rec to record your miles is a nerdy thing to do. But I was consistent. I was consistent. I would run all the time. There was a time when I would uh, be speaking at a camp or something, and I'd bring a stack of these books that represented the, the years of the, the kids that were there at the camp. So I'd say, what the, give me a birthday. Uh, and somebody would say, okay, I was born on June 17th, 1996. I'll say, okay. Uh, I ran to uh, St. Anne's for speed work. On the fifth hundred, pulled my left hamstring. I'm afraid it's a pull. Uh, 10 a.m., St. Anne's, I iced it after my run. Okay? That, that, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. It meant something to that person, though. And it means something to me because it, it meant that I was consistent in, in, in running and in keeping my records. There's a great passage in Proverbs 16 that says this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Be consistent with God. Be consistent with God. This passage in James 4 is so beautifully practical. Draw near to God, James says, and he will draw near to you. How simple and beautiful is that? And it brings me to our last point. Spend some time with the coach. Spend some time with the coach. Occasionally you'll see an athlete who's struggling say this. I'm not sure what's wrong, but I'll sit down with coach tomorrow and we'll figure things out. I'm not sure what's wrong, but I'm gonna sit down with coach tomorrow. We're gonna see what the problem is. The coach is able to see things the athlete can't see. And, and you know, there's something about the athlete feeling centered, if you will, just by sitting down with a coach. Hebrews 12, nine says this, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits? Let, let me speak to my Jesus follower friends here who are out of shape. There, 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 was, there was a time when you were pretty spiritually fit. You were spiritually fit, but that time has passed. What do we need to do to get it together again? Now, I'm a, I'm a former runner these days, and honestly, honestly, it's been really hard on me. Running was such an integral part of my life, and I've not done well finding my new somebody. Uh, people tell me to bike, okay. People tell me to swim. I'd rather get poked in the eye with a stick than swim. <laughs> and so, so physically, I'm out of shape. I get out of shape spiritually sometimes too. A dry time, a spiritually lonely time. And, and let me take this coaching analogy right here and, and kind of blow it up. Because honestly, our heavenly coach is nothing like our earthly coaches. In fact, you may be sitting there and you hated your volleyball coach or your school choir director. And so this idea of devotion to him or her and hanging on your coach's every word is not inspiring to you in any way. 
See, God is not like any coach or authority you've ever had. Yes, he wants you to be disciplined. Yes, he wants you to succeed. But he's with you even in your failures. He's proud of you even in your feeble efforts. You are more than enough to him. He loves you so. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.